sensitivity disclaimer for this episode. Here at Clit Talk, we know a lot of our episodes are entertaining and funny. This episode contains material that may trigger anyone who's experienced sexual trauma. Choose to listen when you're ready, and we're here to empower you. Welcome to Clit Talk, the pleasure positive podcast. We are creators, leaders, innovators, and teachers redefining the word clit. Because guess what? It's not a bad word. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow. Bring your pussies to the show. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked and Foria Wellness. Trauma. Sometimes it's super obvious and sometimes you're unsure. You ask yourself questions, am I overreacting or was this more than just a weird or bad night? Feelings of isolation bubble to the surface and I know for me, I kept it a secret, so much a secret that I actually blocked it out completely, even from myself. So we brought in a badass guest today who tours around the world as an artist and a speaker for change. An addiction and healing trauma is her specialty. Please welcome the fabulous Daphne Willis. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. So what were you going to say, Lindsay? (laughs) I was going to say we're doing everything remote now. We're yeah, this is uh, social distancing. Yeah, we're going to practice not talking over each other <laughs> from, you know, different parts of Los Angeles. Uh-huh. So it's good. No. So <laughs> it's good going to say something else. It, though, honestly, we're doing so a really shitty job so far. <laughs> I know Lindsay's face is like 20 <laughs> seconds delayed from her voice. So like, I can't tell when she's going to talk or not. Okay, so Daphne, uh-huh. please tell us about yourself. What inspired you to start touring the world, sharing about addiction, healing, and trauma? Um, Well, so I've been a a songwriter. I started writing songs when I was in high school, and I've been doing kind of the independent uh, independent artist thing. And I'm a songwriter at Sony ATV, uh, which I have been for about four years now. And um, about three years ago... Um, I released a song called Somebody Someone, which is a song about my brother who has um, struggled a lot with addiction in his life. And um, so have I. And uh, the song was really kind of about his experiences. He's been uh, homeless and um, in and out of jail and things like that. And um, so obviously, like, a lot of trauma around there with like my family stuff and everything we've been through. So I wrote this song kind of to put a face and a a name to the people that we see on the streets Mm. and the people that we view as addicts because there's just so much stigma there. And I put the song out and um, it went viral on Facebook and like 25 million views or something like that. And it was really overwhelming, you know, the response to that. And at the time, I was also about a year into my recovery. So it was really overwhelming to have that 
support from people. You know, you put a song out sometimes and you're like, oh my God, like, what are, you know, what are people going to think? The usual, like, artist insecurities and shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And it ended up being like this really beautiful, uh, supportive fan base that grew from it. And it really encouraged me to embrace that side of myself and allowed me to talk about things that I haven't, you know, hadn't been able to talk about with my music before, to be really, really vulnerable and real with my fans, like, um, and share a lot. And, uh, so I started opening up about my own recovery and, uh, doing a lot of, you know, like therapy and I kind of, I was never in a program. I kind of created my own program, if you will, like trial and error and working with a lot of different professionals in a lot of different fields <clears throat> and kind of found what worked for me. Um, so as I was kind of doing all this stuff, uh, uh, Speakers for Change approached me and they book speakers for keynote speaking events at like conferences and fundraisers. Um, so it was like an interesting thing because I do talk a lot when I play and I do you know, go into a lot of detail about the songs and speaking has always been something that I've wanted to get into, but didn't really have the balls, you know, so, cause it's way more terrifying than just, you have a guitar in front of you and it's almost like a shield, you know, right, you're up totally. there with a huge instrument. And so I said, yeah, why the hell not? I'll give it a whirl. And now it's been about a year and a half, two years that I've been doing them. And, uh, it's been incredible. I get, I go and play in halfway houses and raise money for, you know, women in, in shelters and, um, all kinds of recovery events and mental health events and trauma events. So, uh, it's been amazing. That's so badass. I Mm -hmm. love it. So, um, First of all, it's just so amazing what you're doing and um, to to have gone through, um, you know, your backstory and what you've gone through and to have the courage to share it with everyone. Um, I know that we all have our own personal stories that we've shared on a podcast before. And, and one thing that that's really stuck out to me that we've never really talked about on this podcast before is, you know, sexual assault and any kind of abuse can be really insidious. Um you know, sometimes it's so covert, you don't even realize that it's assaults or that it's abuse at the time. And then you're thinking back after the fact, and maybe even years later, I know, and I know for for me, I've had experiences where I'm like, was it or wasn't it? Am I overreacting? Um, What can you tell someone if they're, if they're struggling with, like, have I been assaulted? Was I abused? How do do you determine that for yourself? Like, what's your own truth? I think, for me anyways, like you, you definitely should talk to somebody about it. Who's a professional in that field. But if you're, if you have a glimmer of doubt in your mind, then it was probably an assault. If it Mm. wasn't something that you can look back on fondly and think, Oh wow, that was lovely. Or, you know, you aren't sure, you know, a lot of women are told their body language was provocative or whatever, but it's, it's, both people's job to give consent in a sexual situation. And if you didn't, and then it was not, a, it was not consensual. I know for me, uh, I, it was a lack of education for me. 
I thought of rape as a as a violent thing of someone coming and attacking you and I and cuz I told people what happened to me and this is in one of our previous episodes but 18 years ago uh when I had sex for the first time my boyfriend we were making out and just kind of fooling around and I had to leave because one thing that I for sure remember is that I had to be home because I got in trouble when I got back because I was late for my curfew. And um, and he just slipped it, slipped his dick in basically. And I didn't know what was, what happened. I was like, what was that? Because normally it'd be like fingering me or something. And he was like, I just, you know, stuck my dick in you. So you know, you'll never know if this, what your first time was or not, if we don't do it, you know? So, and like, he was the person who I wanted to have sex with for the first time. And I didn't want it to be like that. And like his friend was in the other room and it was just a really weird situation. All these memories just came flooding back to me, uh, a few weeks ago. And, um, it was hugely upsetting where I had this physical reaction And um, so I had definitely repressed the memory, but I had also told people about like the shitty night that I had, like it wasn't like the romantic thing that I wanted and no one was like, oh my gosh, you were raped or oh my gosh, that's, that's sexual assault. And I didn't have any education around sex except for, you know, don't get pregnant, use a condom and, you know, that's pretty much it. So, um, so it was definitely a situation that I haven't identified until, like, I'm I'm 35 years old now, and I was 17. So this is 18 years ago. So it's pretty. Um, so I'm kind of on a mission to educate people, and also yeah. to on a road of self healing for myself. So yeah, well, you sorry. you literally, you literally blacked out the memory, right, Katie's? What you're like? She didn't even remember that that happened until like last week. We've done, hun- we've done a hundred yeah. episodes and I've never mentioned anything. Nothing has ever come up where I was like, cause if it comes it's to really mind, I say it on this show, you know? So it, it just never even occur- like came to my memory until we were, I was prepping for this episode that we did um, with Marla Mervis Hartman on body shame. I mean, I that's thought, where I, it came up. I thought what was really powerful, Katie, is that there was a thread, right? And the thread for you was that you were struggling with intimacy with your husband, right? The person that you want to have intimacy with and and you couldn't figure out what it was. And there was this thread and you kept pulling at the thread yeah, and and, until it unraveled. And so I guess I would say to women, if there's something that doesn't feel right, if there's a thread, keep pulling at it. And, Mm -hmm. and if there's something that you blacked out, the other thing that you mentioned, Katie, is that like, you really, really get at a spiritual level that it did. This information did not reveal itself to you until you were ready for it. Yeah, yeah. that was what I was going to say: is tug at it, but don't tug too hard because if, <laughs> if you, it, you know, the, it's funny that the body, you know, hangs on to trauma like that for so long. And um, I actually have an autoimmune disease called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I developed after I was assaulted in college, mm-hmm. which is now linked to sexual assault. Mm. Is it really? Really? It really is. And they don't know what the what causes it other than a large percentage of women that have it have also been sexually assaulted. Mm. 
And that's crazy. One of our regular it, cast members has it too. Crystal, one of our main regular cast members has it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they may or may not even remember. So it's like, you don't, you know, the body remembers and sometimes the brain is literally doing you a favor because you're not really ready to deal with it. You know, I, uh, and I, with my, with what happened to me, I self-medicated for 10 years with alcohol and cocaine and numbed it out for a long time. Um, and then within that stretch of time was assaulted two more times because I was in bad positions. You know, I was going out and partying and not taking good care of myself. And, um, I know one, one time I was dating this girl and, um, I woke up in the middle of the night and she was fucking me with her hand, with her fingers. And I, and I said, please, you know, don't do that. And she kind of like, you know, laughed it off or said, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And then it happened again and I Mm. left. So it happened to me twice. And, and then another time I got fucking drugged and, um, I woke up in a hotel about five miles outside of Nashville. Holy shit. I had no clothes on. Um, and I didn't know how I got there and I had to, uh, go down. Yeah. It was terrifying. I panicked, I completely panicked and just wanted to leave. And I didn't, you know, did, had no idea how I had gotten there. I was completely blacked out, freaked out. I had been doing a lot of drugs and drinking a lot the night before. So I was completely ashamed. And I went down in my fucking towel in the hotel lobby. And one of the people in the hotel had some spare clothes in the back of their car. And I borrowed Whoa. their clothes and I got a cab and I went home. And I went the next day and got a rape kit. By myself. So what's a rape kit? What's a rape kit? What's a rape kit? A rape kit is basically um it's it's a series of tests that you go to the gynecologist and they take samples and they conduct like STD tests. And since a lot of STDs don't show up right away, you have to go back again after six months to make sure you're clear. Um it's pretty uncomfortable. And and not, yeah, it was just really, really not fun. And it was very shortly after that experience that I went sober and quit drinking and then started dealing with some of the stuff that had originally happened to me that, mm. um, that I wasn't able to really deal with. So I have mm. two questions for you. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know now, right? What advice would you have given to yourself or what advice could you give to someone that finds themselves in that type of situation? Like if, if me now had woken up in that hotel room, I would have called the police Yeah, and I would have, you know, called a friend and had somebody I know come and pick me up, but I would have stayed and I would have filed a report and I'm sure that they would have known who was staying in that room or they would have had, you know, a credit card on file or whatever. Right. And, uh, and, and emotionally, like, I know that you, you give talks, like, do you talk about the, like the healing of the emotion? Cause I know you talked about, you know, one of the big things on this podcast is removing shame or healing shame. You know, what would you say? Like, like, how did you get through? And like, I'm sure there was a big aspect of forgiving yourself, right? Yeah. So writing, I actually have a song called forgiveness mm-hmm. and, um, it's actually more about a dialogue between two people because from everything I've 
you know, worked through whatever. The strongest thing for me is when you're surrounded by the right people, you can forgive yourself for things that you can't forgive yourself for alone. Like you have to talk to other people who support and accept you because it's the only way you can really be validated in your feelings and told that things are okay because that's something shame is not something that exists within ourselves. It's something that society places on us. And in order to release it, you have to have social interactions to release it. And that's, I mean, that's been my experience. Um, for sure. Well, you keep touching on something that I'm super passionate about and it's how the mind interacts physically with your body, like how PCOS can manifest if you're have a history of sexual abuse or, you know, how PTSD, PTSD, how rage can (coughs) manifest as kidney stones, you know, Mm -hmm. how different things, energy can get stuck in your body. And I think it's just what you're saying is so valuable. Um, twice to have what you would do different is have a friend come pick you up instead of calling a cab and going by yourself. Mm-hmm. What you would do different is is talk about it. Like what, you know, it's just so important. Community is just so important. And um, it's just sparking things for me, right? With my With my history, I didn't want anyone to not like my boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't Protecting want anyone, the abuser. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to think that I was stupid for being with someone who right. I I still loved. Right. And um it's so interesting how um different my life would be if I would have just talked to someone, like for real talked to someone instead of kind of painting a pretty picture over kind of a crappy night, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well it also you feel like it reflects on you. Exactly. And you feel like because we hear so often like, oh, well, it, you know, you're the one who was in bed with him. You're the one who went back to your place with them. You're the one who, you know, was wasted and drinking drinks off the bar that you weren't sure if it was your drink, you know, like. Right. So it's not, but it's not. I mean, like. Uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about it and she was like, you know, the thing now is they're like, well, she shouldn't have gone in the hotel room or whatever with all the Me Too stuff going on now. And it's like, well, how many times have I gone in a hotel room when I'm on the road with band guys and it's totally fine? It has nothing to do with going in the room. It's who's in the fucking room. Yeah. And I think that like when you're, like what you were saying, Katie, it's like, we feel like we're going to be blamed or shamed for some sort of bad decision that we made right. in not realizing that this person is a fucking rapist or an asshole or, a you know, whatever it is. Right. And I want to add to that is that sometimes like the wrong people can find themselves in the rape culture. And because of what both of you have said, we don't want to look bad like be the person that people are talking about. Like how could, oh, I never saw her that way. I never saw her as someone who was weak um, or someone who would be in in some sort of jeopardy situation. Um, I've shared on the show, some part of my healing journey from my sexual trauma has been sharing about it on the show for three years. 
and talking oh, for, about it. Just, just for our listeners who don't know your story, who maybe are listening for the first time, can you tell it really quickly? And, yeah, like, in yeah. a nutshell, in a nutshell, about 95 of my sexual experiences prior to getting married in 2017 uh, were non-consensual. And because I only was uh, drugged twice that I know of, I was kidnapped for 24 hours in one of those experiences, woke up, you know, and went, was at a hotel room. I did not, you know, know how I got there. It was two gentlemen over 50 Cubans speaking Spanish. I was fluent in Spanish. I couldn't understand the cryptic uh, Cuban so language, uh, <laughs> the Cuban dialect, I should say. And um, yeah, I was traumatizing. I didn't know how I was going to get out of the situation. And luckily, uh, uh, my body, you know, kicked in and started having a panic attack, which freaked out the gentleman. Um, and unfortunately, they drove me, they, they asked where I lived to drive me home and drop me off because they no longer saw me as like a candidate for the situation that they were maybe planning. Okay. Um, but I weirdly, I just moved into this house. And so now these two men that raped me, knew where I lived. And when they took me into my house, I was butt fucked by one of them. And, um, I, I, I was in a, in an interesting place with substances, cocaine, alcohol, um, Xanax. So I just basically remember taking a Xanax, calling my dad, leaving a really concerned message about how these two men knew where I lived. And I woke up out of my Xanax sleep and to banging on my door 24 hours later. And it was my dad. And he flew all the way to Miami from Los Angeles to like pack me up and take me home to where I basically had my own sobriety for the summer in Palm Springs. That's my probably most traumatic story. Um, I was kind of taken to a hotel room in Mexico once by like the skinhead and all I could do was like, let it happen, you know? And I think that's something that isn't talked about around uh, rape, I guess, is um, you're in the situation and what seems like the safest thing to do in that moment is to let it happen, right? For fear of the male ego, for fear of being physically hurt, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I can't even tell you how many times I was in that situation where I was brought to a room. I didn't really like know how I was overly intoxicated, you know, in the wrong place, in, in, in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of a thing. And then literally the fear of what if someone gets violent with me? And just having to, I like to use the word, endure it. And the experience is, was always the same. Massive shame. How could I let this happen? And I didn't talk about it until for years. Mm -hmm. um, until this podcast where I just realized that sharing about it is part of the healing. And then alongside that, I did some physical body work to, to let go of the trauma and it's still an active practice, yep. you know, because that yes. same mentality of, I can't say no, it still shows up at times. I'm in a non-monogamous community and I actively have to be practicing my nose actively um, because my default is I don't, you know, want to offend anybody. And I certainly don't want to look like the bad guy. So that's been a huge part of the learning for me is being able to say no to myself first. Like, am I good with this situation? Do I feel comfortable where I fucking am? Let me check myself before I wreck myself, you know, and finding personal responsibility in it a little bit, because there are people out there that have a certain intention and where's our radar as well. 
Um, so finding, reclaiming some responsibility in it gave me a little bit of personal freedom around it, but it certainly doesn't justify what went down, right? I'm not justifying these, these behaviors, um, but I couldn't let myself be in the victim mentality. And the one thing that I found for myself that I could do to find some fucking peace is just look at what are the commonalities? What are the addictive behaviors I'm practicing? And how can I surround myself with better people? And like you said, Daphne, when I started surrounding myself around quality people, the shame started to be able to dissipate. I found myself in safer situations. I wasn't partying alone because I had a community mm-hmm. of friends that I could be like, hey, what up, girls night? <laughs> Before, I didn't have any girlfriends. I was like guy friends or I'm going out alone and parting my ass off, you know? Yeah. Hey there, Clitorati. It's Katie. So you all know I'm a nurse and Clit Talk for me is a health conversation. I really want to take a minute to share a product with you that has made a huge difference in my life. Foria Wellness Awaken CBD Lubricant. Remember that. I use it multiple times per week and this is coming from the woman who never used to masturbate. Not only has it enhanced my new masturbation lifestyle, it's eased the pain I used to have during sex and my husband is super happy because our bedroom play is so much more fun. So I personally reached out to Foria Wellness to see if they would partner with Clit Talk and they were in overwhelming yes. So now you can get a discount on their fabulous products by going to our brand new pleasure store at clittalkshow.com. All their products are there. And if you're interested in trying them out for yourself, use the discount code clittalk10 for 10% off your purchase. I can't recommend them enough. So do yourself a favor and get your pussy high. Sugar, I think you point to something really important, which is We've been hearing, you know, hearing all of your stories and I, you know, I have my own, they're not as extreme, which is also something really important. It, it makes me want to throw up. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the, the statistics are so upsetting and staggering that we just accept that one in five women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime is so upsetting. And I think one of the reasons why we're having this conversation is to transform those statistics. Um, what are, what are, you know, and I know Daphne, you go around, what are, what are some things that you touch on when you do your talks, right? Do you touch on things that people can do to protect themselves? Do you touch on what people can do to heal themselves? Like what are, what are some things that you can share with us that, that like, I'm sure you're front of the line of transforming this conversation, Daphne. I guess a a little bit of everything, a lot of sharing your story because it really is about owning it and and sharing it in a way that's empowering and with people that make you feel safe and encourage you and are are empowering you. Um, So that's kind of step one. And and then in terms of like, you know, the the talks that I do also heavily revolve around addiction because I've, and I've found so often that people who um, are in recovery from whatever it is, and my whole thing is everybody's recovering from something, right? Like <laughs> you could be recovering from a sexual trauma. You could be recovering from a really awful breakup that was psychologically traumatic. You could be recovering from a car accident, whatever it is. It's, it's a matter of like getting back in your body and understanding where the trauma is and understanding how to work with it. And, and there's so many different ways to do that. Like 
I don't even call it recovery. I call it discovery because mm-hmm. you can tr- I've tried, like, I do, like, the Wim Hof ice baths. I yes. <laughs> baths. Yeah, you do the Wim Hof baths. I love I do Wim Hof. I do the Wim Hof breathing oh every day. Oh, my God. Where do you do? I wanted to get a, I want to buy a tub here because the fucking cold dip pools in the spas, I'm sorry, but that is, like, not. That's child's play. Wait, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Therapy, like, fuck off. That is some bullshit. That's horrible shit. <laughs> What's, a Wim Hof? What's a Wim Hof? So Wim Hof is a man, actually. <laughs> actually, Daphne. Wim Hof is, uh, he's like a, I think he's so he holds Russian. Or no, he's Icelandic, isn't he? Is that, yeah. Yeah, he's he's like, Icelandic. Holland. He well, he's um, he, set he holds the records. yeah, he hold, he holds the world record for oh. sitting in a um, a tub of ice for over two hours and not getting hypothermia. He has also climbed Mount Everest in a pair of shorts. Yeah, barefoot. Wow. Yeah, he's and called the Ice Man. He'll swim under a sheet of ice, like in the Arctic, under a fucking sheet of ice. Like, actually, what's crazy is his story was actually stemmed in trauma as well. He lost his wife and was actually trying to kill himself. So he was sitting in this ice water trying to freeze to death. Mm -hmm. And something happened where he didn't. And he realized that his mind was controlling his body. So he's discovered through ice baths and like being in extreme cold weather, how your mind actually controls, just like what you were talking about, Katie, like your mind actually controls so much of your body. Um, there's a documentary about him. Um, I believe it's on YouTube called The Iceman. It is incredibly fascinating and, and really inspirational. It's a lot to do with your parasympathetic nervous system. And what happens in PTSD is your parasympathetic nervous system can fire off when there's no threat. So you mm. literally feel like you have zero control over your body. And it's I've I've had PTSD for a long time and it's been a lot better, but I still it's just a constant battle, like you said. But basically what happens is you're responding to a false stimuli. So there could be nothing happening or something triggers it or whatever. So the way the ice baths work are there's this whole breathing thing that you do before you even get in the tub. So it releases all these endorphins and adrenaline into your bloodstream. So Mm. when you get into the water, you're actually not, it doesn't actually like hurt the same way as it would if you just jumped in without doing the breathing. Um, and then once you're in the water, eventually your your body will go into that initial shock where it does activate your parasympathetic nervous system. And it, it basically, your parasympathetic nervous system is located right under your brain in the in your the back of your neck and the top of your spine. So the brainstem, yeah, the brainstem. And basically, when you do the ice baths, he may he suggests that you at least submerge yourself to there so that that is activated. And then basically you breathe through that sensation of it being activated. So you're literally retraining your mind and your body to work together so that when you do, like now, if I feel like I have that kind of thing going on, like I can literally like feel it cooling down if I do the breathing or just... Mm. Wow, it and think about it, and yeah, it's which is actually in, in, incredibly useful for trauma as well. <laughs> yeah. you I mean, that's that. why I do it. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly why, and I think that's why he did it too. Yeah, yeah. How often well, do you do it? 
People do it every day. <laughs> people, you can do it every day. I wish I could, but I can't even, I was going to actually ask you if you know where there are ice baths around here. Cause I haven't been able to do one in a really long time. And like you, it's not the same, like doing the cold shower thing. I used to, do you know what? Like, Fuck it. I'm going to, do you, you live in LA, right? Yeah. You want to go in on a tub? Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> like, I, I got space in my place, man. Wait, where? I'm on, the, I'm on the west side. Where are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, on the, I'm in uh, mid-Wilshire. Okay, okay. Let's like fucking Wilshire do it. Brea, I've got like a, I've got, I'm in like Venice Beach. I've got, but I've got like a garage. Let's go in on an ice bath. Oh, I'm dude, super I'm down. So down. I'll go to Venice. <laughs> I'm so there. Wait, can you, can you just put fucking ice in a tub? Yeah, but you have to buy 40 pounds of ice. Like, okay. it's yeah. got to be like, it has to be like between 32 and 40 degrees. Like. Right. And what, what people do is they usually get like a freezer kind of a thing and they put it on their side because you also have to have chlorine in there and all this stuff. If you're going to use it like over and over again, you, it kind of needs to be like sanitized like a pool. So huh. my friend had uh, like a big cooler. Like he said, I got a human sized cooler and uh, that works too. You put, it on a, you put it on a timer so you can literally mess with the timer to turn it on and off. And if you put salt in the water, like Epsom salt, it mm. keeps it cleaner. It also keeps it from freezing. So there are a lot of ways. It's a whole thing, guys. It's wow. Amazing. Well, me and Daphne are fucking going to go in on one. So you guys can come use our ice bath. <laughs> Five bucks. Five dollars a pop. All right, fine. Sounds like oh a good God. deal, actually. <laughs> um, so um, I know I know we're about to wrap up the conversation, but I just like I just wanted to thank you, Daphne. And and one thing I wanted to put in too is we've we've all shared some pretty intense stories. Um, and I know that there are other people out there that have. One thing you touched on is I love that you said like someone might be just suffering from a psychological breakup or any kind of trauma, like trauma is trauma. And, and if, and if there's something there for you, it's okay to not dismiss it. it. You don't have to be shoved into an alley and brutally raped at gunpoint to have it be trauma. If, if you're, if you're traumatized and there's something to it, like really what I've gotten out of this conversation is share, share with somebody, tell a friend, start with, start with talking about it and, and know that there is no shame and you can always forgive yourself and anybody else and move forward. I know I've done that. It's not fucking easy. It's really fucking hard, <laughs> but it is possible. Um, and it is so. really healing to listen to other people and to share mm-hmm. and to let other people share with you and to be there for other people. And if you, you know, I've always found like acts of service to be extremely therapeutic, which is another reason why I think, you know, doing what I do has, I've, I've just been able to go through so much because my fans are so open with me. They send me emails and like messages and stories and we do fan music videos. And I mean, oh, they're just, they're I love that. They're absolutely incredible. And they've just supported me on my journey. Like every fucking step of the way they've had my back and uh, it's the same though, like with anybody, uh, if you, if you let, let it in you can let it out too um speaking of letting it out would you be willing to sing a song for us sure <laughs> maybe somebody someone <laughs> if we could make a request <laughs> <laughs> so this is a song 
I wrote with a friend of mine when I lived in Nashville. She also has a brother. And um, yeah, we wanted to write a song that, um, you guys hear it okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sounds good. We wanted to write a song for our brothers, but also just for everybody, because everybody has a someone. Everybody is touched by mental health or addiction or trauma. And if it's not them personally, it's a friend, someone in their family, you know, it's just, um, and we're, we're getting better, but it's not quite there yet. Just a cardboard sign and a can in between Some dirty bare feet Eyes that I can't bring myself to meet Yeah, well I could spare 20 if I knew You'd be using it to get just what you need When a ooh, ooh, ooh I'm just another cold shoulder Ooh, ooh Yeah, you're somebody's brother Somebody's mother, father, somebody's someone, somebody's missing you. Wherever you came from, wherever you go, I hope you know. Somebody's someone, somebody's someone. We're picking up the Who's it gonna be this time, this time? It's the sound of your voice, but it ain't really you on the line When you're gonna come out on that other side? Well, it's on you, you can know there ain't nothing we could do No matter how hard we're trying to woo, woo, woo Can't make you drink that water, woo
bright light on the corner of a dark street. Wow. Thank you so much. That song is healing to listen to. Honestly, I see why so many people wrote in. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, we're in it, we're at the world. Is it a play that live? You know, like I just would cry. Oh my God. I wanted to cry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. The world's in such a, a, a crazy place right now. And, and hearing that is like, was truly healing. You're, you're, you're definitely connected to spirit. Thank you very much. I have another song called I am enough that's out. And um, that's another one that people have really connected with too. So where can people find you? Oh, Oh, um, all over the interwebs, really Spotify, I have a website, DaphneWillis.com. It's D-A-P-H-N-E-W-I-L-L-I-S. Uh, Instagram, Facebook. It's all just my name. It's just uh, Daphne Willis, D-A-P-H-N-E. I have a really like uncommon name. I guess I kind of lucked out. And so. and is there anywhere on the internet where people can watch some of your speeches that you've done? Yeah, so I have actually on my YouTube channel, um, I have a whole playlist called Mental Health Recovery and Beyond. And I did a really cool um, project last year when I was doing these speaking events. I was so inspired by the founders of these institutions where I was going and speaking or the people that would put these things, conferences together and all this stuff. And um, they all have these crazy, bad. they're all these crazy badasses and they're so cool and um, empowering. So I did interviews with all of them and I kind of showed if I was working with students, I would, you know, bring students in and um, just to kind of show the community of it, because I think a lot of people are so terrified when they drive by a rehab or they drive Mm -hmm. by a halfway house or a shelter. Um, People view those things in like a really, they're just scared. And I don't think they realize what goes on inside because on the inside, it's people who are fucking working their asses off and crushing it a lot, most of the time. You know, these are people who don't, you know, it's basically working out all of your demons in in a way that's um, really transformative. And it's beautiful when you come out on the other side of it. And I think that we need to focus more on that than why people are in there in the first place, because everybody has experienced something that's traumatic, whether it's being violently raped or it's being verbally abused by a parent. Um, everybody has has some sort of, um, you know, traumatic experience. And we need to focus on the, the other side of it, which is really fucking incredible and, and beautiful. I think that's so beautifully said. And I know that And I hope that this episode makes a difference for a lot of people, for all of you Clitorati out there. If you do need support, reach out to a friend. You can reach out to us, um, reach out to a professional um, and know that you're whole complete perfect the way you are. Thank you so much, Daphne, for um, just your stand for the world and um, your stand for courage and having courage look so graceful and beautiful and musical all at the same time. Um, (laughs) I mean, what you guys are doing is incredible and it's really an honor to be on. So yeah, well, we will definitely have to have you back. 
because you're awesome. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. You guys can find Daphne Willis all over the internet. Please listen to her music, listen to her speeches. As you can tell, we're completely enamored with her. She's such an incredible human. And we just so appreciate having you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Daphne. Bye, Clitorati. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at clittalkshow for your clit fix in between episodes.